a un primero de mayo. <risa> Hello and welcome to the The Sam D Podcast. I am your host, Sam Duzame Jr. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram and YouTube at The Sam D. That's T-H-E-E-S-A-M-D. For all content, audio, and visual, hit up thesamd.com. Follow along with the podcast on social media at The Sam D Podcast. Musical production done by May 1st Music. Support him at soundcloud.com slash May 1st Music. I don't know if this is first world problems or not, but have you ever seen someone get a little too happy for the upgrade on a flight? Like, I flew back last night, finally back to the crib. And on the flight back, the woman next to me, and we were like one seat behind business class got an upgrade on the flight like the flight um the gate agent came on the plane did a double and triple check and then announced some names and whatever the case may be and said hey look you're being upgraded to uh business so the woman next to me was upgraded from you know one seat behind comfort plus aka business uh to business and the way that she acted, <laughs> the way that she tried to, oh, oh, excuse me. And I'm like, oh, oh, you feeling yourself. You feeling yourself. And I was just like, wow. Imagine feeling that way just to get bumped up to business on a two-hour flight on a DC-9. Yuck. <laughs> Fucking yuck. Man. I mean, little does she know she was sitting next to someone that's flown first class domestically and internationally multiple times. But I mean, no, no, no. Go ahead. Enjoy that. Enjoy going from, you know, 10 D to six uh, a Go ahead, Enjoy that. Cause you know what? Going to France, going to Paris. I've been one a, you know what I'm saying? Going to Brussels, Berlin, Nice, I've been 2A, 2B, 1C, respectively. So, you know, go ahead and enjoy that. Enjoy that bump to business where the only real difference between business and Maine is um, you get to pick your snacks. And you could get multiple rounds of snacks as opposed to the common folk in Maine Cabin where you get that one round and that's it. So first class, you get unlimited everything, right? It's the creme de la creme. Business, you could get a couple of rounds of almost everything you want. And then main cabin, you get just what I was left, my G. You're just going to take this one around and that's it. So that's where you're at in the airline hierarchy, right? And if you've never touched first class, I implore you one time, even if I know, I know it's expensive. I had to connect because I worked for an airline and I took full advantage of those benefits. If you don't have it, I understand. But one time, while you're young enough and you can still afford to really enjoy and bask in it, do the first class one time. Because, you know, it's the only time on an airplane where you feel like you're a customer and you're being treated like one. You know, everywhere else the customer is right and 
you know, all the type of stuff and you know, try to endear themselves to you because you are a paying customer. But I mean, main cabin, you're kind of just there. You're kind of just there. And they're like, yeah, dog, you back here for a reason. You can't afford it. So you're going to take these peanuts. You're going to take this little quarter water and you, we, we're going to keep it pushing, you know, see you when we get there. But when you're in first, when you're in first, it's different. You get the mimosas when you walk on. You get all types of energy. They take your coat if it's, you know, if you have one or your suit jacket. You know, they'll they'll take that. They'll give you a newspaper if you ask for one. Yes, newspapers still exist on airplanes, apparently. But um, yeah, man, it's 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 a real different. They ask you for your meal. What meal would you like? They give you a menu. Yes, you get a menu. Know what I mean? So it's it's a little different when you touch the first class. So I implore you, save your bread, do do what you gotta do. If you wanna bring shorty, I mean, that's a lot of bread, but at least for yourself, King, treat yourself, King. One time for the one time, touch those first class seats. But, you know, shout out to Shorty, though. I mean, she got she got bumped up from, you know, from main cabin, basically exit row to, you know, towards the beginning of the business class. I mean, I hope she enjoyed that second round of snacks because she was really feeling us. So she was really happy. She was really happy. So salute to her. You know what it is? Oh, nah, wait. Oh, my bad. Got here for NBA. My bad, my bad, my bad, my bad, my bad, my bad. I was I was just on one. That, that, that thing stuck out to me. Pause. Uh yesterday when that happened on the plane, I was like, yo, I gotta I gotta get this off on the pod. I gotta get this off on the pod. Uh but no, you're here to hear about NBA playoff action. So where do we stand? There is so much to keep this shit a buck with you. You probably gonna get more pods this week, cause I got shit from in the tuck when I was in, you know. Geechee country in South Carolina, South Cackalack, that I wanted to get off, but, you know, they really had me working OD hours uh, while I was on the road, so I really couldn't even really carve out enough time to drop a pot. So, I got shit from last week I want to get off, but we're not going to do that now. We're going to work in the present, and maybe I'll double back for like a bonus uh, pot and give you whatever I wanted to get off last week. So, where do we begin? Do we begin on the left coast? Do we go L.A.? And if we go L.A., which L.A.? The team that even up a series 1-1 or the team that's now down 0-2 going on the road for games 3 and 4? Do we go East Coast? Do we see the South Beach squad, heat culture, getting out-cultured, now down 2-0? Going to the crib, trying to save their season amongst infighting, allegedly, in the locker room? Do we go to Barclays, where... The team that no one thought could ever play defense has at least looked passable on defense. Or do we go to the Mecca? 33rd and 8th. Do we go there to where there was supposed to be a pep rally, but the only pep rally was Trey Young dropping F-bombs all over the place after clinching game one? Where the alleged coach of the year or the seemingly the guy who's going to be handed the award for being coach of the year, although I keep hearing it's going to be Monty Williams, but we'll see. The alleged front runner for coach of the year couldn't figure out how to stop Trey Young, couldn't figure out how to stop a Trey Young pick and roll, and couldn't figure out how to stop Lemon Pepper Lou Will from going crazy. That guy, the meniscus tearing taskmaster, couldn't figure out how to stop the opponent, the opposing team's best player and the opposing team's best bench player. Somehow, game one, 
playoffs at the crib, supposed to be coach of the year, couldn't figure it out. And in the big moment, dusted the dude off who hadn't played one second in the entirety of the game and wanted him to D up the player that he couldn't stop the whole game on the team's last possession. That's the meniscus tearing taskmaster. Besides all that, though, I want to go to L.A. You know I want to go to L.A. And as much as you know I want to go to L.A., you think I want to go to the one L.A. But we going to the other L.A. We going to the team that's down 0-2. You too fucking little, Pat Bev. You're too fucking little. Yes. You're too fucking little. You're a fraud. He's almost point fraud level in terms of fraudness. It's that bad for Pat Bev. I've been telling you for years on this pod that Pat Bev isn't who y'all think he is. Chi-Town, represent. That's all good. When it comes to ball, when it comes to that allegedly being a defensive stopper, a lockdown, fake glove, fake Alvin Robertson. No, 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 no. No. No, you're not that. You've never been that. You're a nuisance. You're annoying. You play overly physical. You get under people's skin, but you can't lock nobody. Not at that level. And Luca is calling him out on pick and rolls and saying, nope, not you, THJ. Don't bring him over here. Finney Smith, bring that motherfucking Pat Bev over here. Because I want the switch. Because I'm Slovenian Harden and he's Pat Bev. And I'm going to bully ball barbecue chicken, Slovenian barbecue chicken this dude until they stop it. And guess what Ty Lue has done? Not a goddamn thing. <laughs> Yo, Pandemic P, what happened? You said things are going to be different. Pandemic P said things are going to be different with Ty Lue as head coach. The offense is going to look better. Guys are going to be more locked in, more engaged. What the hell have you seen from Ty Lue? Have you seen anything this year that makes you think they're in a better position now than they were last year? We talked about the additions of Surge, Batum. Even I gave him a little bit of a caveat. Yo, point guard. Okay. Point guard, that's an impactful move. Boogie off the scrap heap. The baller formerly known as Boogie, DeMarcus Cousins, off the scrap heap. And now you got Reggie Jackson, who was called Bobby Schmurder at Barclays. No more than a couple of years ago. Now out here saying no worries. No worries? No worries. Reggie Jackson ain't worried, y'all. Don't worry about it. Kawhi ain't saying that. Pandemic P ain't saying that. Surge. Batum. Not even Pat Bev. They ain't saying it. Reggie Jackson is saying no worries. So old English font fans, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Your man Smurda, Reggie Jackson is out here to save the day. No worries. Kawhi gave them a 40 piece and they still lost. PG wasn't bad in game one. Pandemic P was not bad in game two and they still lost. Ballmer dropped two Billy. For the right to own the old English font. And all he's done is spend all this bread for a team that can't get no further than the point fraud Kia jumper DeAndre 
Lob City, a.k.a. Fraud City Squad. What in the entire fuck is going on? Does this mean Kawhi is out? They go out first round. Kawhi is out, right? No way he's coming back. I mean, I, I think it was debatable he would come back in the first place. They lose. Kawhi is definitely a goner, right? You're Steve Ballmer. You drop two Billy on a team. You're trying to go up in here with some rah-rah, sis-boom-bah, fake enthusiasm for every little thing. You go get Kawhi, which was mortgaged by Uncle Dennis. You convince through back channels and his fraudulent agent, you convince PG's agent not to be a Laker. Go to the Thunder and marinate, and then we'll swoop through. We'll come through. I mean, you're not really Kawhi's first choice, but, you know, hang tight. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. And after Kawhi couldn't convince not one, not two, but three other dudes to come hoop with him in L.A., he then gets to Pandemic P and says, all right, bruh, force your way out. We're going to make it happen. And now the old English fonts got no first-round picks until what, 2027? This was a front office that wasn't Lawrence Frank executive of the year. Was it last year? Executive of the year. Because he went and convinced Kawhi to pull up and he swung the deal for Pandemic P. Executive of the year. Fired the coach. Promoted the assistant coach that talked like it was going to be different. Convinced the team's second best player that they're going to include him more. They're going to run more plays. They're going to have a different philosophy. Old coach says, yo, bruh, you know he was next to me when I was calling all them plays that you claim I wasn't calling last year, right? Ain't shit changing, bruh. And God damn it, if there's one thing Glenn Doc Rivers knows, he knows when things ain't changing. And he ain't changed when he had Tim Duncan on the PJ and told him no to wifey and the fam pulling up on the jet. And he's keeping that same energy now. Ain't nothing changing. It is what it is. The laughing stock that is the old English font. They can't get out of their own way. They can't figure it out. They can't do right. Let's shoot them all the bail. Let's say they come back and even win this series. Does it even matter? Does it even matter? You've seen enough, right? I mean, it took them six games to beat the Mavs with a hobbled Luka last year. Six games. And now this year, healthy Luka, healthy Latvian world star, Kleber taking a man's Zubac off the dribble, Yamin, Kluber, is it Kluber or Kleber? I think it's Kleber, my bad. Kleber out here off the dribble, off the bounce on your man Zubac, who the old English font said they were stealing, that they stole from the Lake Show, that's what we got? Bruh, even if they come back and win this shit, the fuck you think gonna happen next round? Can you imagine? And we're gonna have to have a conversation about the board man soon. I've been hinting at it. I've been telling out what it is. He could drop a 40 piece on one good knee. That shit is amazing. He could look like a robot Jordan at times with how he gets to his spot and his spot seems to be automatic when he shoots from it. He can do all that shit. But if you're foolish enough to give that man 
that degenerative need man a real deal long-term contract this offseason, you're insane. You're fucking insane. If you can't see the decline, if you can't see the, the decline, I don't know what type of basketball you're watching. Kawhi is on the decline. And now the, the anti-Kawhi movement is building. There's a lot of movements that, look, man, I don't like to pat myself on the back, but if I don't, then who will, right? So I've been telling y'all, yo, Kawhi, man, this knee, he don't look the same. He ain't moving the same. He ain't shooting the same. Ah, ah, ah. Now the Kawhi dialogue that not necessarily anti-Kawhi, but the, hey, what's up with Kawhi? That is building. We're going to get to somebody else soon, later in the pod, where another person who I said, hey, I don't know if, and now that's becoming a thing now. I'm here to talk my shit. Can you imagine the embarrassment of having someone from Slovenia bodying you? You pride yourself on uber machismo. Remember him and Lou Will were in that, they were in Vegas when the Kawhi thing went through, right? And then the PG thing was in the, in lurking in the, in the works, right? They were in the casino. They were popping big time shit. I think Pat Bev said, don't chat to me. Don't talk to me. Don't talk to me. And now, within a year and a half to two years later, he's getting bodied by a Slovenian with no answer. No answer. And Lemon Pepper Lou was out there riding with Pat Bev, talking major shit too. And a year later, he was shipped back home to the ATL. Man's considered retirement. He was so hurt. This is what it is. We get an old English font. But imagine being a guy like Pat Bev. You pride yourself on being a lockdown defender. You pride yourself on being an asshole on the court. You pride yourself on being physical. No one's going to dribble by me. No one's going to crack me. No one's going to do any of that. I'm thugging the game up. And they put a 6'7", 6'8", Slovenian who's not even in shape. And he bully balls your ass into the paint every goddamn game. Can you imagine the emasculation for a guy who as prideful as Pat Bev to continuously get bodied, bodied, called out on the switch. They're treating Pat Bev like he's Steph. They're treating Pat Bev like he's the fraudulent two-time MVP with trash-ass ankles, Steph Curry. Can you imagine being called out like that? Where every time Luka comes down, where's Pat Bev? Bring his ass over here. Set the screen. These suckers going to keep switching. Bring fucking Pat Bev over here. That's what they did to Steph. That's how they figured out that Rubik's Cube, that Splash Brother bullshit. Oh, all right. Just keep bringing Steph. Yeah, he's going to get them threes off. Yeah, but you're going to give up these buckets, though, too, though. I'm going to make sure of it. Kyrie, dying eye, game seven. All them threes and that shimmy and that shit is cute. You're going to give up these buckets, though. You're going to keep giving up these buckets. So you're gonna, we're going to get your ass in foul trouble. Or we're going to make you double kick out to our three-point shooters. That's how we're going to get that off. We're going to attack your weakness, which was your ankles, but it's now just your defensive skills. They treated Pat Bev like he's Steph. Didn't Pat Bev tell Steph he's got the next five years? 
<laughs> Pat Bev told, I don't know if he said this directly to, to Steph, but knowing how Pat Bev is on the surface, maybe he actually did. You had the last five years. I got the next five. Can you imagine how he must feel knowing he said that to that man's face, now knowing he's getting ISO bully balled just like that same fraudulent two-time MVP with trash-ass angles only a couple of years later. Pray for Pat Bev. That's basically what it is right now because there's no answer. He's not going to grow four or five inches overnight. He's not going to put on, put on 30, 40 pounds overnight. He's just going to keep getting his ass bully balled. And you saw they had to stop doing the switch or they let the switch continue. Then they just had to trap, get the ball out of his hands. What, what they do? Two passes. There was an open Tim Hardaway Jr. three ball game. So what are you doing? What can you do, Talu? Go ahead, bro. Figure it out. Pandemic P had faith in you. Ballmer had faith in you. Apparently, Bobby Schmurter, Reggie Jackson still got faith in you. No worries. You better figure something out, bro. Because it's about to be curtains. It's about to be curtains on this new era. This new alleged era of Clipper basketball that was supposed to be resurging. They were supposed to take what Fraud City couldn't do and take it to the next level. Covers of magazines picked by blue check boys left and right to be the best team in L.A., if not the whole Western Conference, if not the entire NBA. And here they are. A couple of years later, Kawhi looks to be out. They re-up Pandemic P for an insane, overly paid price of money. Imagine you pay $2 billion. And two to three years later, all you have to show for it is Luke Kennard and Paul George, Pandemic P, with the other Morris twin, making about almost half a billion dollars in contracts. That's all you got to show for it because Kawhi's leaving. That's all you're going to have to show for it. Morris twin, Luke Kennard, Pandemic P on ridiculous contracts. You spent two billion for that. The basketball gods have spoken. The basketball gods have spoken. There's unwritten rules in baseball that are fraudulent, that are usually applied by old white men or middle-aged white men towards players who don't look like them, i.e. black and brown people. NBA doesn't have too many of those, but what they do have, and something I firmly believe in, is basketball gods, where it's essentially another way of saying karma. And I think we have to look at the basketball gods when assessing the other LA playoff series. Because what other reason can you explain? The man that y'all call a leader, floor general, coach on the floor. For the second consecutive playoff series, or the second consecutive meaningful playoff series, getting hurt and getting hurt bad to affect his team's outcome. The basketball gods have spoken. You thought you were going to walk through and have this resurgence, have this MVP caliber season, allegedly. And the basketball guys weren't going to come down and get their comeuppance. You thought you were going to be able to go out here 
and have Braun and AD on their heels without the basketball guys saying, eh, eh, we ain't forget. And what happened? That fraud went fraud. After trying to yank his own man's shoulder out of his socket, they shared a goddamn banana boat together. And this man tried to yank out the shoulder of his man's and hip check him while in the air. What happened to that? What happened to that dude? What happened to that boy? His shoulder gets popped by his own goddamn teammate. Point fraud. That's what happens. Karma. You can't go out here kicking, punching, elbowing people in the nuts and think you're going to get a chip. That ain't happening, point fraud. That's the basketball gods. Only gods I fuck with to keep it all the way a buck. Basketball gods. I've seen more evidence of that than any other. How else can you explain it? Point fraud is out here getting all the accolades. Floor general, leader, coach on the floor, leader of men, national endorsement deals, notable player, Q rating high. And yet this man will smile in your face and punch your son in the nuts. Shit, he'll take a vacation with you and then try to yank your shoulder. Pop your shoulder out of his socket. That's what your man's who you shared a vacay and a banana boat ride with. That's what he does. That's your man's? Oh, but it's cut competition, right? It's all, it's all about that competitive spirit. Fuck that. All the years I've played ball, there were certain things you just don't do. I would play games against my best friend. We would have heated battles and all that. But I never thought, yo, I'm going to elbow my mans in the nuts. I'm going to punch my best friend in the nuts when he jumps. I'm going to elbow him in the ribs when he goes up for this rebound. I never did that. And me and that man is still cool to this day. I don't know how if you're LeBron James, you're at the tail end of your career. You're trying to squeeze off maybe two to three more chips if you can, if you could last long enough for Bronny to pull up and you got someone you consider your friend, your man's in them, probably some Godfather type shit with the children involved. Godfather type friend. And he's trying to pull your shoulder out and hip check you as if that ain't enough. You saw it. LeBron tried to go up. He had son damn near locked in an arm bar. And then when LeBron still tried to jump, when he was up in the air, he gave him the little hip. Hip check. Y'all keep letting this fraud fool you. But the basketball gods never miss. So now he's out here hobbling. He could barely dribble now. He's a one-armed man. And everyone's feeling bad. Oh, look. Uh, again? Oh, it's not that. He did it to himself. He did it to himself. For all the flopping, for all the elbowing, for all the dirty tactics, for all the tricks, there's your payback. Now sit your one-armed ass down and give way to the better point guard on that roster anyway, campaign. Next tape. Do you believe? Do you believe? Y'all let that S-curl man run up in your crib and talk that type of big talk? Talk that type of shit. You let that S-curl really do that to you? 
I won't call him Becky with the good hair like Kwame does Matt Barnes, but goddamn, you let that hair, that S-curl do that to you in the world's most famous arena? When y'all had this resurgent season with an alleged coach of the year, with an alleged MVP candidate, with the most improved play of the year, y'all let that S-curl walk into the Mecca and do that? With Spike jumping for joy and Tracy Morgan doing the cabbage patch, you let that S-curl walk into your building with this defensive mastermind in the meniscus tearing taskmaster Tom Thibodeau, you let that S-curl do that to you? And Lemon Pepper Lou Will got off? And Bogdanovich bombs away? And DeAndre Hunter was locking your man's RJ? That's what you let happen? You dusted off Frankie? Marinate on the bench for two hours to go in there and lock up Trey? Something you hadn't figured out the whole goddamn game? That's what we doing? Next tape. Y'all better win tonight. Y'all bet um, if y'all don't win tonight, if y'all go out the way that the old English font is going, I'm telling you, it's gonna be one of them ones. It's gonna be one of them ones. It's not even trolling what I'm doing. I remember I'm Chief Nick Hater number one. I was born for this. I was born for this. I was born in this region of the country for this sole purpose. To call y'all out on y'all fuckery. To expose your fandom. Expose it. Y'all think y'all got a four seed and you're, you're trying to do both things. You're trying to be a contender. You're saying you're a contender, but you also still want to preserve the fact and say, well, you know, we've come a long way. It can't be both. Pick fucking one. You got one thing to pick. Pick one. Are you a Johnny come lately, just happy to be here? Or are you, no, this is the start of something big. Pick one. Can't be both. You can't say, well, we're, we're, we're a rebuilding team. You know what I'm saying? We're still, we got things to work on, da, 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 da. But then when you win, I see we're back. Saying you're back means championships. Oh, I know most of y'all, most of y'all listening to this don't know what that feels like as a Knicks fan. I understand. But you've heard about it. You've heard about it in the ether. That way back yonder, 50, 60 some odd years ago, that team actually used to be something. And you're dying for that thirst. You're dying for that thirst. You're trying to quench it. Every little hint of above mediocrity you get, you drink all of it and drown yourself in it. All you end up doing is drowning in your own tears as you fall. Stoudemire punching a fire extinguisher. Patrick missing a finger roll. Starks 2 for 18, 19, 21 in game 7. Charles Smith, Smith again, Smith, Smith, Smith. You keep doing it to yourself. And I have to keep coming on here with the Sam D reality check and slap y'all around a little bit and bring you back down to earth. You're a fucking four seed. You're not back. The East was trash this year. Injuries and COVID affected teams that are better than you. The Heat are better than you. 
The Celtics, when healthy, are better than you. You're fortunate to slide into the fourth seed. You're fortunate to be able to excel in a year of COVID when teams that made the conference finals or at least advanced to the second round that are better than you on paper were beset with injuries, COVID protocols, and the short turnaround of the start of this season. You took advantage of it. You slid in there. Be happy. Be grateful. But no. No. You can't do that. You have to take the fucking leap and thank your contenders. You take the fucking leap and say you're one piece away. You take the fucking leap and say Julius Randle's an MVP candidate. You take the fucking leap and say Tom Thibodeau, the meniscus tearing taskmaster, is coach of the year. And that's why people hate you. We don't even hate the team. I don't hate the New York Knicks as a team. I hate the fans. And I've been surrounded by them damn near my whole life. And I've been hearing the same bullshit ass back and forth my whole entire life. And that's why I got this energy. And that's why I troll them the way that I do. It's in numerous group chats. It's in numerous Twitter interactions. It's in all of it. You can see it. You can't tell a Nick fan nothing. And it's all opinion-based. It's never fact. It's all opinion-based. When you hit them with facts, they just run to more opinions. Now, with that being said, (laughs) they should still win this series. But only the Knicks can nick this up and lose this series. It would be, again, basketball gods, right? Basketball gods. It would be truly basketball godian or godly. Basketball godly if the Knicks find a way to trick this series off. Because Atlanta is more talented, especially now that they got DeAndre Hunter back. They're more talented on paper. I don't know if Trey can do what he did in game one Three more times. Because like I've said, many times with certain players, you know they're going to get you two wins. We got Luka. Luka can get, can get you two wins all by himself. He just needs help from the others, Latvian World Star, Tim Hardaway Jr., whoever, Kleber, whoever, to help him get them two other wins. But he can give you two by yourself. Is Trey Young that good? I've been hard on Trey. So I'm not going to sit here and act like, you know, I'm I'm shilling. I'm not I'm not going to shill for Trey. But that's one game. He was good enough to do it for one game. Is he good enough to do it for two? Because that's rare. That's rarefied air to be like, no matter what playoff series I'm in, I'm good enough to get my team two wins. That's rarefied air. That's like, I'm that good. I could do half the work for us. We need four. I'm going to get to two. I just need the horses around me to get the other two. That means a lot. You see who couldn't do it? The two-time fraudulent MVP with trash-ass ankles. He couldn't do it. Not by himself. If he's this good, he couldn't do it not once but twice in meaningful games. But we'll move that to the side. That was shit I had in the tuck ready for last week. That may be on the bonus content. But when it comes to Trey Young, is Trey Young on that level now? Him and Luca will be attached at the hip forever because of the deal on draft night. Luca, I know, can get two games by himself. 
He did it last year against the Old English font. Is Trey Young now that same level? I don't think he is, but he's already given me one. What's stopping him from getting two? And that two might be tonight. I was mocked for saying Donovan Mitchell should be in the MVP conversation. I was told that he doesn't really matter. He's not really a number one option. You know, I remember in the preview pod we did, the Western Conference preview, I tried to say he's top 15, and I got shot down by my homies. Like, nah, he's not ready yet. He's not. He's not. I'm like, all right. I don't know about all that, but all right. I'll let them, you know, not necessarily push me off a bit, but I'll let them switch it up. Okay, all right. I won't put him in there. I mean, I think he's in there, but okay. Now, after what I feel is at least a MVP finalist type season, yes, he missed the last 15, 16 games of the regular season, but if, if, if Embiid is in there for missing 20-some games, I don't know why Donovan Mitchell couldn't be in there for missing 15, 16 games. But whatever. We're here now. So, Donovan misses game one. Against the Grizz, it's a 1-8 matchup. It's at the crib. The Jazz have been in cruise control for about, you know, basically the last month and a half. It was either they're going to be the top seed or the second seed. That's basically the type of rarefied air they were at. So they've been in cruise control. And they let John Morant and Dylan Brooks switch cheese them up. That defense that's anchored by what most people think is a soon-to-be three-time defensive player of the year got switch cheesed up by guards. They drove to the rack with reckless abandon. They gave no fucks that Gobert was down there. They were not scared at all that Gobert was down there. They got the floaters that he can't go get. They got the left-hand layups. Because you're not a real baller if you can't make a left-hand layup. They were able to switch and finish with both hands. Pause. And that bothered Gobert. He wasn't able to be, he wasn't able to impact the game defensively. And Valachunas was giving it to him. And Triple J, Jaron Jackson Jr. was doing work. Didn't show up in the box score, but that's why you have to watch the games. Jaron Jackson Jr. was a factor out there in the spacing. He's a big impact player for them. And he got slow-mo. Slow-mo went out there and was getting buckets and he was talking shit and he was not backing down from the likes of Royce O'Neal. Not here for it. So Utah's in trouble. And Donovan, I don't know what the injury is. Apparently he wanted to play game one, but the team said, nope, shut it down. Apparently he's been wanting to play for a couple of games. And the team is like, nope, relax. Will this become a Kawhi situation, a Kawhi and San Antonio situation? Will this become a Danny Green and San Antonio situation? But the player is saying, I'm healthy. I'm going to play. And the team's like, mm, nah, you're not. Or vice versa in the Spurs case. But anywho. Donovan Mitchell is that team's best player. He's their best offensive option. And he's a solid defender. Dylan Brooks is out here going crazy. Because not only does he, does he not have to worry about Donovan Mitchell, he doesn't even have to worry about Donovan Mitchell defensively. I could go get buckets and just float around. Damn, I feel like Steph out here, but I don't got to guard nobody and I could just go get buckets. I could D up on somebody if I want to. Weak side help. Switches. I don't got to lock in and follow somebody around all around the court. 
I mean, this this is what it is. When you're talking about a most valuable player, this is what I'm talking about. Donovan Mitchell affects teams offensively and defensively. Offensively, he's a pretty good defender. He's not great. He's not locking nobody up, but he's solid. Slightly above average if you really want to get into the nitpicky of it. He's not Swiss cheese. So he can affect your offense that way. And then when he's on offense and you're on defense, you know what time it is. Is He's a bucket. Even though Tom Cream told him all types of slanderous stuff when he decided not to go to the University of Indiana. You can look that up yourself. Google is your friend. Look at what, what Tom Cream told uh, Donovan Mitchell about his not only his pro aspects, but just his collegiate basketball playing uh, prospects once he said no to him and decided not to go to, uh, what was it, Indiana, right? Yeah, University of Indiana. Google is your friend. So Donovan's been having that chip on his shoulder for damn near the entirety of his uh, prepubescent life. So this is what it is for him. He's had to fight adversity all the way to get to here. And now he's on, he's the leader of a team with the number one seed in the whole goddamn Western Conference, a conference filled with Dame Lillard, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, the point fraud, Devin Booker, your team has beat them all to have the best record in that conference and your team's holding you out in game one. And we have no idea if he's going to play in game two. Again, if they go down 0-2, now I have faith that they could turn that around. I could see them going on the road and getting to in in Memphis. Was it FedEx Forum? I could, I could see them going to Memphis and getting two dubs. But the thing is, they're going to make you work for it. And these are these are extra games that the Jazz weren't planning on playing. I think the Jazz held Donovan out because they thought they could still beat the Grizz without him. And if he doesn't play game two, they could still beat the Grizz in a one-game scenario without Donovan. But can they beat them four out of seven? That's a cloudy question. I don't know if the Jazz can beat the Grizz four out of seven without Donovan Mitchell. I don't know that. This ain't the regular season. All the regular season trends and analytic, throw them bullshits right out. This is iso ball. This is pet plays. This is tendencies. This is targeting weaker players and just running it over and 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 over. And that's where the theory of coaching comes in. What do you do to stop that? But if you don't have a horse like Donovan Mitchell, what can any coach do? What can you scheme up? They clearly have tried to run things through Bogdanovich and Joe Ingles, and they keep chucking them threes up. But damn near 53s in game one. 53s. And he only made 12. And, you know, I don't want to sound like the old guy. I don't want to sound like Chuck and Shaq on TNT. But at some point, as someone who is known as a shooter, I'm known as a shooter. But when the Jimmy wasn't falling, I had to do other things. That's simple basketball. You're taught that. If you're a gunner and you can't gun, then you better do something else or you're going to get played off the court. You're, you're useless if your threes aren't falling. If that's all you got, if all I can do is shoot, and my shooting is off that day, I'm like to get benched. So what I had to do, go learn a post game. Go learn to hit the glass. 
run the floor, pass the rock, facilitate. I had to learn all those things because just in case the Jimmy ain't falling, I can go do this. I can still earn minutes. How that's changed at this level of basketball, I don't know. Where the threes ain't falling, all right, but just keep shooting them, though. Keep shooting them, bitches, though. Go ahead and keep doing it. 47 of them things in game one at the crib against a, a team that's the eighth seed that, if healthy, probably would have been more than that. They just got back Triple J. He ain't played this year. He already played this year. They just got him back. And he a killer. They ain't even getting 100% Triple J yet. He's like the third, fourth option right now. He's the fourth option. It's Ja, Brooks, Valanchunas, then Triple J. That's not how that's supposed to go. That thing's supposed to be Ja, Triple J, then Dylan, then Valanchunas. So they're getting the second best player on the team as a fourth option. Utah Jazz, be very fucking careful. And y'all better get Donovan out there somehow, some way. Even at even at 80% Donovan is better than nothing. Put him out there, steady the ship, hold on to that one seed. Because you know who's coming in the second round. You know who's coming in that second round. Be careful. Be careful. Because I think they could be in trouble in that second round if things go the way that they're going now. Defense and Barclays. It was a thing. It's been a thing. But you have to use the caveat, it's just the Celtics. And it's just the Celtics with no Jalen Brown. And now it's just the Celtics with possibly no Tatum on top of that. So while I can say, oh, it looks like they're going to try to play defense. I'm not saying they're playing good defense. They're trying to play defense, which is more than they had looked at times to be trying to do. So they're trying to play defense. And we got those three dudes running around out there. Like I like I said early when this whole th- when that first James Harden thing went down, with the first thing with the beard pulling at the Barclays, yo dog, first one to one twenty wins. And now I'm hearing that thing being regurgitated. People are saying, Yeah, you know, the goal for the Nets is to get the one twenty and da 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 I'm like, Oh, oh, funny how that works. Funny how if I time stamped that that was about December. December, January when I got that off, but now it's playoff time and magically blue check boys have realized, oh, the Nets are trying to get 120 a night. Uh, Yeah, but so defense, it's a thing. And it's not just one-on-one can you lock your man. There's very few of those guys left in the league, right? But it's the team defense, active hands, passing lanes, tips, deflections, that types of stuff. That's what the Nets weren't doing that they seem to be doing now. But again, no Jalen Brown. And now with the injury to Tatum, we don't know what that's going to look like for game three. Not that it even really matters because they were blowing. They were what? They were up 25 at that point when he got hurt. So obviously the Nets are going to win, get the Celtics up out of here. Boy genius, Scamadum Dea. They move on to continue to fool the national media and their fan base uh, for another summer. However, yet again, someone asked Kyrie about Boston. And I feel as though I've talked about this a lot. But here we are again where Kyrie said the thing, kind of, sort of, 
and then your man's the percolator had the rod and defend Boston. And I don't know why, per- well, I mean, look, I know why. And I think I've detailed why Perk is defending Boston and things of that nature. He's doing it for the check. Um, it's funny how Kwame Brown is calling out a lot of the same shit that I've been calling out. But, you know, it is what it is. Not to say that Kwame took my shit. It's just it's, if you pay attention, this is what it is. If, if you pay attention to the dynamics of sports and sports media, this is the, this is the outcome. Where you have Kendrick Perkins, who's out here on Boston television, getting paid by a Boston television sports network to say the thing, to go against Kyrie. And he says he's been there 10 years, he's lived there, he's never had any issues in Boston. He doesn't know where this racism, or this alleged racism, or bigotry, or whatever, is coming from. All right. Well, go ask Bill Russell. Go ask Bill fucking Russell about racism in Boston. And yeah, you could tell me that was a long time ago, but it still holds. Those stories still ring out and those stories and those practices are still carried out, not only still in Boston, but throughout this country. So you want to tell me that was 70, 80 years ago? Okay, that's cool. But tell me that that's not happening in Boston to this day. Tell me that housing segregation doesn't happen in Boston to this day. Go tell the black people in Roxbury that. That housing segregation still doesn't exist in the greater Massachusetts area. Go tell them that. So Boston and racism are synonymous. Boston sports racism is synonymous. I mean, you could go back. I mean, this is why my my Twitter header is what it is, right? Like, if you go to my Twitter account, T-H-E-E-S-A-M-D. Look at the header. You know what I'm saying? Like, what what is it? Is uh racism is as American as baseball. That was at Fenway in Boston. They're telling you what it is. Racism is as American as baseball. That's by Twitter header. That was displayed at Fenway Park. In Boston. So, you know, when when you try to skate on shit, when you try to cop, please. Kendrick Perkins is a giant man who was on a, a championship winning Celtic team. Yes, I would I would think that he might not be subject to the same type of racism in Boston as a rank and file black member of that community. Yes. He can sit here and anecdotally say he has not experienced racism in Boston. And that may may very well be true. Here's what he can't say. That there's a lot of other people in Boston who share that same sentiment. Also, I don't think Kendrick Perkins lived in Roxbury. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I don't think he lived in a part of town where he could chop it up and break bread and hear stories from a communal standpoint in Boston with other black people. I don't think he was in those neighborhoods like that. So Kyrie says the thing, Boston, they call out slurs and, you know, they say, they, they, they talk vulgar to you, yada, yada. And Perkins is out here, the percolators out here shooting them bail. That's what fans do. Fans said F you to Trey Young. What's the, what's the difference? The difference is F.U. isn't calling you the N-word. 
It's not calling you coon. It's not calling you that type. That stuff has been lobbied at players throughout the old Boston Garden to this new one for decades. Damn near half a century, if not more. Go ask players. I just talked about this a few pods ago, how there still hasn't been a marquee black free agent that has signed in Boston as a basketball player. You can give me Kemba, but that was a sign and trade. And where else was he going to get that bread? Al Horford, Dominican. Name me the marquee black, all the marquee black trade chips or trade acquisitions or free agent acquisitions that they've tried or that they've insinuated or rumored or maybe even have tried to tamper to get have all said no. Anthony Davis pop said, hell no, my son ain't going to no damn Boston. He know what's up. I'm sure Kyrie had to have that talk with his pops. And he was like, nah, I think I could really go to Boston and learn under the boy genius. I bet say, yo, dog, you know that's Boston, right? Every black father has to have that talk with their son about certain areas you can't or should not venture into. Boston's on that list. You know what it is. Appreciate y'all for listening. Uh, shout out to those who pulled up to the Twitter spaces I did uh, last week. Um, I was trying to record that. Didn't figure that out logistically in time, but it was a really good conversation. Shout out to the homie Cash, who I'm going to have on here to talk financial literacy. And obviously, if you were pulled up to the Twitter spaces, you saw he could talk basketball as well. So we're going to do that with him. Uh, the homie Yao G's. He's always out here supporting, so he pulled up. Uh, so, yeah, so, so shout out to those two guys for pulling up. It was a good little three-man weave we had going on, talking about the NBA playoffs and things like that. So I'm uh, going to do more stuff like that in the future. If you want to be a part of that, just hit me up. I'm going to try and do some things. Uh, what's today? Wednesday. Yeah, later on in the week, I want to try and schedule another Twitter space. So if you want to pull up and talk some basketball and talk some shit, uh, hit me up. DMs are open. Pause. And uh, we'll do it that way. So appreciate y'all for listening. You know what to do. Uh, five stars, nothing less. Tell a friend. The Sam D for the The Sam D podcast. Oh, yeah. There will be another bonus podcast. I got more shit to get off from last week. So The Sam D podcast. I'm out. I'm out.